You're listening to the Plant Remedy Podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Ruskis, also known as Chef Bay. I'm a professional chef and a plant-powered healer here to bring you all the juicy details on cuisine, food, holistic healing, and everything in between so that you can find your very own remedy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Plant Remedy Podcast. It's your host, Bailey, and I'm so excited for this episode because it is a special little holiday Thanksgiving episode. I can't believe that Thanksgiving is tomorrow. I don't really know where this entire month or year for that matter went, but I'm happy that we're here. We made it out alive and um, yeah, we're gearing up for yet another holiday season. My guest today, his name is Mario and he is a TV show host of the show on Roku and select New York channels of trying vegan with Mario. This guy is amazing to talk to. It's such a great conversation. I love um, the friendships I'm building with him. And he really is just like super, super humble, down to earth. And he just has a lot of really good things to say. He's an entrepreneur at heart. And his whole concept of his show, Trying Vegan with Mario, is really just that. He used his show as a platform to literally try vegan food and try it out for himself on TV. So that in itself is really, really cool. Um, It's really putting yourself in like a really humbling, uncomfortable position being like, okay, I'm willing to try something totally new and I'm ready for hundreds of thousands of people to watch me do that and create this, this thing. So with that said, I'm so excited to have Mario on the show. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this episode. We talk about so many things as far as like Thanksgiving traditions, his roots, where he comes from. We talk about just entrepreneurship and what it's like to start something from the ground up, investing all your own money into it and just really like having faith in yourself and having faith in your mission. And we also talk about a lot about relating to people um, in the holidays and how to really get touch people on whatever message you're trying to get across as I think it's so important to learn a communication style especially when we're dealing with family and uncomfortable conversations and to do it in a way that just kind of like respects traditions and respects everyone's own individual emotional attachment to food so without further ado um let's get into it i'm so excited to have mario on the show and i'm so excited for you guys to listen Cool. So I'm sitting here with Mario and I'm so happy that you decided to come on the show. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I love uh, what you're doing, spreading healthy food and good messages. So anyway, I can contribute all the way down. Yeah. Your show is awesome. I love that you have so many different guests. Um, where, where can people watch your show? Yeah. So right now I host a cooking show called Trying Vegan with Mario. And it's my mission to learn how to transition from the standard American diet into a nutrient-dense plant-based diet, but keeping in mind that that evolution that kind of has to take place. If you're super addicted to meat and cheese, how can you find good recipes that are relatable that -hmm. can help you make that transition easier? So I invite expert vegan chefs and nutritionists to teach me their best recipes, and I kind of relate it back to the standard American diet. Um, So that's the inception of the show. And right now, it streams on a service called Roku. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also is on channel one in New York city and we're hopefully moving it further to the Midwest and eventually to both coasts. But right now, channel one in New York city, 7:30 AM Wednesday mornings, you can catch try and vegan with Mario and yet yeah, download it. If you have Roku. 
Cool. Awesome. I feel like the Midwest is the perfect place for that type of concept because it's so, it seems so foreign. Like my fiance is from Chicago and a lot of the people that we talk to as family, friends, are just like, what, you guys are vegan? <laughs> like, what, is, what does <laughs> that even entail? You know? Yeah, it, it sounds insane. Yeah. I live, mm-hmm. I live in the Midwest or I'm from the Midwest. So from the Chicago area yeah. and my dad actually owns an Italian sausage factory. So I like grew up in that stereotype and all of his friends and, and all the people I grew up around. Now that they see that I had this vegan cooking show, they are like so thrown and so confused by it. But they're curious, they're interested. They see that if I could do it and there's all this, you know, new information coming in with the impossible burger hitting menus everywhere. So it's yeah. now starting to become a more welcome term to be vegan. So now mm-hmm. people are interested in yeah, I'm trying to figure out how that transition is possible for people who were raised on that type of eating and, and to the extreme of working at their dad's Italian sausage factory. Like if I could do it, you guys could do it too. So does your dad still own an Italian sausage factory? He, he still owns an Italian sausage factory. It is Friday, 2 PM. He is working there right now, probably oh having gosh. a long day, filling wow. orders and sending them across the country. How yeah, ironic is that? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so what does he think about your show? So he's very supportive of my show. At first, I definitely went too extreme. Like I remember as soon as I learned about the benefits of vegan food, I went like totally crazy, obsessed with it. And I remember coming home for the first holiday, like Christmas dinner, and he, he's making all my grandma's famous holiday recipes. And I'm going in and just changing every single recipe on the menu. And it was it felt like I could tell it felt like an insult to him, but yeah. I was so like, I just felt like I knew everything at the time and he would just get it and everybody would just get it and they'd get excited like I was, but he took it, he didn't take it as well. And that made me have to take a step back and reevaluate. Okay. I love my dad. He loves me. How are we going to be able to relate to each other now that we have such different views on things? And now he's become super supportive of my show. And now that all these plant-based alternatives are starting to hit the markets like crazy, he's actually coming back to me and asking me how maybe he can make a vegan sausage and how he can maybe change his recipes and incorporate more plant-based alternatives to the things that he's doing. So um, some advice that I start to give people now that I felt it through my own reality is if you're trying to get people to eat more plant-based food, sometimes you have to figure out how you can relate to people on their level or where they're coming from and see what interests them. You know, we have this great message. There's so many benefits for this, but if you're shoving it in somebody's face, it could come off as almost like arrogant or pretentious at times. Like looking back on my younger self, I was like, wow, I was so arrogant and I didn't even realize it. Mm -hmm. You know, so now I'm like, I'm a much better listener. Yeah, it's, yeah hard. it's hard. It's hard because when you first wake up to the lifestyle, it's like you're in shock because you're like, it's this quote, you know, I woke up only to see that the whole world was still sleeping. And it's yeah, kind of like absolutely. you're in shock. So you're like, I just need to tell everyone. And I think in a sense, that's why everyone says like, oh, vegans are assholes because it's like you wake up and you're like, what's yeah. going on? How have I been doing this for my whole life? You know, so yeah. I don't know. I have compassion for that side of it too, but it's true. You have to relate to people on where they're at. And like, I've talked to, um, like one of my friends, he's this amazing businessman. He's creating like all these different apps and we've talked about it before. Cause he's, he's creating like this eco, like this green app, um, trying to get more like eco-friendly trading and stuff. And 
Yep. I'm like, what about veganism? He's like, you're never going to be able to get people away from their traditions. So how, like how can, and that's kind of the concept is like just talking about your dad and like, you know, all the holiday recipes, like how can you blend tradition with, you know, eco-friendly ethical food choices? Yes. Right? Yeah. No, that's huge. And I think a big part of that is it takes the right recipes and it takes the right food, which yeah. is so great because I see such an improvement in mm -hmm. vegan meat alternatives and in vegan recipes. Uh, like this one guy who came on my show, he, he goes by avant-garde vegan on YouTube. His name's Gaz Oakley. He's absolutely crushing it. And he came on my, on my show to promote his Christmas cookbook. And these are like pot roasts and casseroles and things that look like, you know, it's a yeah. lentil loaf and these big umami filling dishes that take a little bit extra TLC to create. But those yeah. are the types of things where you could show up at your Thanksgiving dinner, put something out and not even have to talk about veganism and be, eat. you might be eating the majority of your dish because it's the only thing that you could eat. But other people are going to try it. They're going to really like it. They're going to ask you what it is. And it won't be this whole like intersection of confrontation, but more of like, oh, they, they like the food already, so they're interested. So now you have an opening to have that conversation a little bit more. Um, but yeah. even backtracking, some of you said like brought up a joke um, that I think is pretty funny and I'm trying to break, but the joke is how do you know if somebody is a vegan? How? Don't worry, they'll tell you. <laughs> I know, it's so true. <laughs> the same thing applies for people who do CrossFit. Um, or, I, honestly, any diet. Like, if you'll, it's the same thing with keto. Like, yes. if someone's on yeah, keto, yeah. like, they're going to tell you within the first four yeah, seconds of eating you. them, you know? So, I think it's yeah. because, too, like, our diet and what we eat is so close to us. Like, I get really interested in the psychology of why people eat what they eat and why we are so emotionally attached to certain things. Like, we're so emotionally attached to the turkey on Thanksgiving, which doesn't really make any sense. The more I think about it, I'm like, why is this a thing? I don't even understand it, you know? Or we're so yeah. emotionally attached to like that huge piece of meat on that plate or the sausage and the lasagna or whatever. So it's figuring out like where the emotional attachment comes from and then being able to kind of like uncode all of those layers to get to the root of it, to be able to still like, honor that emotional attachment, but by doing it in a way that's like honoring your body and the planet a little bit better. Yeah, that is like the mother of all questions. They're like, America and the United States are so, so influenced by tradition. You know, you even feel it now, like it's, it's like holiday time. There are so many holidays that happen one after the other, starting with like the week of Halloween. Like, I don't know what your Halloween week was like, but mine was like an entire week of Halloween. I know, it, it becomes was crazy. Thanksgiving. It yeah. becomes Christmas, that becomes New Year's, that becomes shopping, that becomes all these typical traditions, which are amazing. But I think it's so important to take a step back and like look at history and think about, you know, what is the history that brought us here? Why are we valuing these things? And what are the positive messages we could take away from it? And if you take something like Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is a lot about sharing and welcoming and, and new people and, and new life. Mm -hmm. Whereas it's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be about the turkey. You know, it could be about sharing corn with somebody, you know, right. it doesn't make that big of a difference. Yeah. So, or the actual um, holiday in itself. Like I was thinking yeah. about the time I drive home, I was like, I was thinking about Thanksgiving and like why we celebrate. I was like, this whole holiday is actually really messed up. And then I started thinking about Christmas. Oh and I, was like, I was raised Catholic, but like, I don't believe in any of that anymore. So like, yeah. why do I still like hold on to Christmas? But what it is, is that like deep emotional 
feeling that makes you feel like home. And I think that's why people get so stressed out over the holidays because A, they like destroy their bodies with the food and all the alcohol and B, they're so attached to this idea and they don't even know why, (laughs) you know what I mean? But it's like, we couldn't not do it, you know? So it's like being more intentional, like in all ways of everything. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) You asked if there was anything that was like taboo to talk about. Well, I think there's something that I'm like resisting myself from talking about right now and I won't go too far, but you mentioned Thanksgiving and we really take a step back at Thanksgiving. A lot of what it stems from is us coming and invading somebody else's land Mm -hmm. and then taking it over and enslaving those people. And I like am a total like Christopher Columbus history nerd. Like I read all about this obsessively. I used to show up at Thanksgiving dinner and preach. I won't right now, but I think it's important to understand like what is the benefit we could take from this history and this tradition in a positive way. And I think changing the way we eat could be one of those positive things we take out of it. Right. Yeah. So many things. Because it's like billions of turkeys are slaughtered every single year. Yeah. And then when you uncover that, most people don't even know how to cook it. So like most of the turkey just goes (laughs) to waste anyway. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm just like, this is... This is the cycle of the hamster <laughs> wheel that we're on. That's like, yeah, oh, yeah. it's crazy. It's so um, I'd love to talk about like your history a little bit and like how you got to this point. I just saw your Instagram post that you just posted like five minutes before we got yeah. on here. And you talked <laughs> about how um, you suffered with asthma and acid reflux, right? So yep. um, have you been suffering that with that your whole life? Do you have other health problems? Are you totally vegan now? Like what's, what's the deal with Mario? Yeah, yeah. So Mario growing up uh, had horrible asthma and acid reflux. I would have to breathe from a machine every single night, like during tough seasons. I, f- I forget Ugh. what it's called. Yeah. I would have inhalers everywhere. Like it was, it was a pretty tough lifestyle. Uh, and then I'd have acid reflux, which is kind of like the sensation of heartburn. But as a kid, you know, you think of heartburn and you think of adults getting heartburn. I mean, you think of all right. these diseases and you just mm-hmm. relate them to being older. But I was experiencing that at such a young age. And these are things right. that would control my life. I love playing sports. I love being athletic. I love doing all these things growing up, but you can't do them as effectively and you can't enjoy them the same when you have these types of child illnesses that eventually as I grew up, I learned through doing research and seeing transformations in other people's lives that a lot of these things could be affected through food. So the real big change that I had in my life was Okay, so I was working at my dad's Italian sausage factory. I didn't really think about the food that I was eating. You know, meat and cheese were my favorite things. You know, I'd be coming up with recipes and different types of spice blends for Italian beef and all that stuff. And then once I got to around 18 or 19 years old, I saw one of my best friends switch to a plant-based diet and lose 100 pounds, like in the matter of just a couple of months. Dang. And that was that moment. Yeah, that was that, that was the aha moment for me. That was when I was like, holy cow. There has to be something to the food that we're eating that's affecting us. I'm, I'm just blessed with a good metabolism, so I'm not really seeing it. But once I saw that transformation, that was the evidence that I needed to say, hey, I'm going to take a step back and do some research, learn about the food that I'm eating, and see how I can live better longer and see if right. there's anything really to this. Uh, so I read a book called Fasting and Eating for Health. That was the first real health book that I read by this guy, Dr. Joel Furman. And that book just re-illustrated everything that I saw to my friend and really put the science behind the result that I had witnessed. So at that moment, I was like, okay, I need to get out of the standard American diet. I need to get away from the food that I'm eating, change the way that I'm eating. 
I'm eating and, and find good food that I really like, which was hard for me because I was a picky eater. Uh, so that's what really drew the inception for my cooking show, Try and Vegan with Mario was, I want to eat healthier. I'm a really picky eater. I'm going to try and find really good tasty food and learn from these doctors who are writing these books and hear these stories and be able to share these with other people. Right. Do you think that, that, was, that picky, was the real inception? Do you think that your picky eating had to do with the fact that like you were eating food that was like really high in fat and salts? And so like anything else tasted bland or weird? Yeah, tasted yeah. <laughs> uh, that <laughs> must <laughs> Anything that was anything that wasn't Laffy Taffy wasn't good. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I was I was eating a lot of candy at the time, and I think 100% definitely when you're addicted to different types of fat, salts, and sugars, that's what you crave. That's what you're used to. Nothing else tastes nearly as good. Right. Uh, and in in part to this whole transformation, a big thing that I like to do is do a lot of the research and to even put a science to how our taste buds change. Um, one of the doctors that I had on my show again, mm -hmm. Dr. Joel Furman, who wrote this first book. He actually did a study to research how long it takes for somebody to taste their, to change their taste buds. Oh, and originally he thought, originally he thought it was like the three month process. That was kind of his hypothesis. And it turned out it actually takes like six months for somebody to completely change their taste buds. So a little bit longer than you might've expected, but once mm -hmm. your taste buds change, it's worth the effort because now you're just craving whole foods and now you're craving the good stuff. And now you're just eating peanut butter where the only ingredient is peanuts and it's not filled with high fructose corn syrup or crap sugar or whatever thank else. you <laughs> dude the peanut butter yeah. situation is crazy like the amount of stuff they can figure out to put in peanut butter i'm just like what i know <laughs> i know i talk about that all the time too like when it comes to children when it's like oh my kid is such a picky eater well it's like okay what did you start your kids taste buds off with right like did you start your kid by eating super high sugar stuff or stuff that's super high in fat or super salty or processed food because the thing with kids is they have a much shorter attention span and a much shorter like like uh, ledge of patience, right? So yeah, 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 they eat something that they don't like, and they're like, "I'm never gonna eat that again." <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. They like, like I quit on broccoli at such an early age. Like yeah. my parents didn't stand a chance. I had given up on broccoli too early on. So uh, that's a big part of it. And I mean, exactly what you said. I think the biggest impact that we could have on the food industry is figuring out ways to teach our kids how to enjoy healthy food because then we eliminate the problem before it even gets started. Of course, right. there's a lot of work we have to do right now to help people who are sick and could use the benefits of a healthy diet right. and to impact the people who are making the purchase decisions mm -hmm. so that we could shift the demand for healthy food. But if we could teach kids how to eat, 20 years from now, it, it won't even be a challenging conversation. It'll just, it'll just be the way things are. You know, like right. back in our grandparents' day when organic was just the way things are now organic requires a label and a big process to get approved <laughs> you know i'm like yeah. or, organic is just the way things are so mm -hmm. uh eventually hopefully we can change the way the kids eat so that the future is just naturally healthy the way it could be yeah where meat is like a specialty thing where meat is something that is so expensive that most people don't want it or can't buy it or something like that because i don't think it's realistic to say that like people will just never eat meat and like the whole world will be vegan. I don't think that will ever happen, but I think no. that if we can get to a point where meat can be like the condiment on the plate, you know what I mean? Yeah. Rather yeah, yeah. than well, the main source of calories. <clears throat> yeah. And, and just like an interesting like anecdote on history, mentioning how expensive meat is and how pricey it is. So 
um, back in the more like emperor days and thinking like ancient Rome and Greece, uh, meat was way more expensive. Yeah. So a lot of the rich and the rulers would eat a lot of meat while their, their slaves and the people that would work for them would eat more grains and more vegetables. And a lot of times those emperors would die before all the people that were working for them because they would get gout and they would die from these deadly diseases. So the rich people were dying at the young ages. Meanwhile, the people who were just being force fed grains and vegetables would outlive their masters almost always. And that was just like a interesting reflection on like, what is true wealth? You know, is money true wealth or is health true wealth? You know, I, I think you could have both, but yeah, I just found that so I interesting. I love that. I'm definitely going to quote you on that. At the end yeah. of this <laughs> Please. That's a good one. Yeah, no, it's, it's so, so true. So like going back to your story, so you started your show. Um, who's been like your favorite guest that you've had on your show so far? So I've had a lot of amazing guests and my favorite of course was my mom. But Aww. if I'm not going to choose my mom, Shout out to um, you, mom. I threw that in there for you. <laughs> out to Cindy Fabry. Uh, she teaches private yoga classes. If anybody needs yoga instruction in Chicago. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> so she, we have some Chicago listeners. Y'all hit me up if you, if you need some yoga. <laughs> yeah. um, but besides my mom, mm -hmm. um, I would say I keep, I keep mentioning Dr. Joel Furman. Uh, he is just an incredible physician and He's one of the people who takes people who have heart disease and diabetes, switches their diet and literally reverses their disease so that people who are told they're going to need like a triple bypass heart surgery now are able to live fruitfully for 20 more years. Um, so when I had first started my show, I had made a list of like, who are the top 100 people I would want to have as guests on my cooking show if I could have anyone on my show. And I made a list, and of course, like Oprah's on the list, and Ellen DeGeneres, and all these people who have like showed They're support for the vegan too. diet. But, <laughs> but <laughs> we'll get them on the podcast. Let's, yeah, let's, let's, we're reaching for the stars. Um, but through through the art of persistence and the art of working really hard uh, and just putting it out in the world, Dr. Joel Furman was like he was actually number one person on my list to have as a guest on my show because his book was the first book that really changed my life and through just persistence and reaching out to as many people as I can and honestly feeling like this was never going to work out and that um, I wasn't going to be able to have a, have a show that provoked the right people with the right messages. Eventually his publicist got back to me and basically said, all right, Dr. Furman has one hour available next week in New York city. If you meet him at this place, at this location, he could be a guest on your show. And I had, I didn't have any of the financing ready for my show. Didn't really have anything planned. It was just in the inception form of the idea and somehow was able to make it happen, made it out to New York City. And he was actually like the first guest on Trying Vegan with Mario. And once I had him on an episode of the show, it really proved the concept and I really saw how this could add value. So I was able to get new sponsors. I was able to create new opportunities from that. And that's what really snowballed this whole thing wow. and got my show started was being able that's to have amazing. Dr. Furman as one of the first guests. Yeah, that was like, life-changing moment. So um, an, an interesting question I love to like ask people that I think is very thought-provoking. You could even kind of think, think for yourself is like, who is somebody that may have totally impacted your life, completely changed? Like you walk into an interaction with them as one person and you leave completely transformed that may not even realize the impact that they had on your life. Like who, who or what are some of those moments? I think that those are key moments because mm -hmm. I think that gratitude is one of the greatest things. And I think showing gratitude in the form of 
appreciating people's impact on your lives is one of the most great things you could share with somebody. So I've kind of had that thought recently and somebody asked me that and Dr. Furman is totally one of those people. And I've since reached out to him and showed appreciation for him, but he is definitely one of those people that definitely didn't have to make time for me, but did and create that opportunity. And that's what I hope to do through my cooking show and some of the guests that I have on, you know, now that I have this platform in this audience, there are tons of really niche chefs who are so talented to make the best vegan food, but maybe don't have the audience. So how right. can I then return that message and find those people and bring them on and share that as well? But um, to answer your question in short, I would say that Dr. Furman was probably one of the, one of the best episodes, and the best guests I've had on my show. You know, that's so beautiful. It is all about paying it forward. You know, I, I, in my business, I've worked for like super wealthy people in the past. I've had a very successful private chef business. And now I work more towards people who have like chronic health issues and things like that. But I have a lot of clients that can't afford what I do. Right. And so yeah. I'm now thinking on this plane of like, I have to have a side of my business that allows me to work with people for free or some sort of nonprofit sector so that yeah. I can give back, you know, like it's only fulfilling to work with like super wealthy people for so long. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know, but like you have to get to a point where like the only way we're going to make real change is to help people who wouldn't necessarily have like their foot in the door without you opening it for them and being like, I got you. Let's go. Exactly. And, yeah. and one of the biggest, one of the biggest income gaps in the United States is caused by a lack of nutrition. Yes. There are, there are schools, like you might not realize this, but not everybody has easy access to internet in the United no. States. Yeah. There are literally places like in the Chicago and Denver area where the best place for kids to find internet is at McDonald's. So they go to McDonald's, they eat this unhealthy, crappy food mm -hmm. because they need to in order to study, but they're not helping themselves the way that they could if they're able to eat healthier food. So right. that's also a very important thing. Like how can we help people eat healthier who can't necessarily afford it? so that we can close that gap and create more access to more people. I'm actually from Denver. Maybe Are you we're on? like, we're, maybe we're like, man, or oh, I'm from Boulder, but maybe we're like manifesting. You're from Boulder? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm from I, Boulder. I lived in Boulder for six years. That's like oh, one of really? places on the planet. Yeah, I'm I a little like Boulder, hippie Colorado. Boulder, Colorado chick. <laughs> oh my God. I'm like somebody who wasn't a hippie. It was total Midwest, like raised in the town where Mean Girls was filmed, moved yeah. to Boulder, Colorado, and then like totally transformed and came home and changed all my grandma's meat and cheese recipes. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah, Boulder's <laughs> really special. I definitely, when I lived there, I was not vegetarian or anything like that, but my mom is like a total hippie gypsy lady. And really? <laughs> she was, but yeah, she was vegetarian for a long time. She has like the most amazing garden really? ever. Yeah, my dad's like a deadhead. Like, yeah, those are my parents. <laughs> <laughs> So it's no That's mistake amazing. that I like ended yeah. in this place. Shout out moms and dads in this episode. I know. I know my first couple episodes, I didn't mention my mom and she was like, you haven't mentioned me yet. So now every episode, <laughs> I'm like, hey, mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Thanks. but yeah, like I would love to work with you and like, I don't know, put some sort of like project together where we could work with kids or work with people that um, are underprivileged to get healthy food and education on how to get healthy food or how to create food. You know, it's, Plant-based food is not expensive if you do it in the whole food form. So buying a lot yeah. of like the like processed plant-based foods is what gives it kind of like the expensive vibe. But yeah, that would be a really cool project. We should definitely talk about that. Yeah, so many different ideas for that. Um, <laughs> we can start brainstorming right now a little bit. Like what, one thing I'm trying to figure out. So I'm, I'm like obsessed with marketing. And I think marketing in the past has been used to manipulate people in a lot of negative ways. Like right. the this, this smallest example is putting a cute little cow 
on on a box for like card milk or something like that mm-hmm. and it's like this this cute little cow it paints this picture as if it's like happy but really that's not at all what it looks like on I've seen that. <laughs> that like kills me and I remember growing up like I ate a lot of cereal for breakfast did you, did you ever eat, maybe not because you grew up in this like hippy dippy like, lifestyle no, maybe you weren't I, like a I didn't like cereal person. because it I'm a very big texture person like I won't eat a banana like I don't okay. like the way that cereal gets really soggy you know like that soggy <laughs> at the end it makes no me- I don't like that soggy mushy cereal that's why I'd be like as soon as the milk goes on, you gotta just start eating it. Like, give me the Captain <laughs> Crunch. Like, give me the crunchiest cereal. But I feel that. Yeah. Um, but I, I ate a lot of cereal growing up, and on those cereal boxes, it'd be like Tony the Tiger, the Captain Crunch guy, like all these mm-hmm. different characters and animations, the Lucky Charms stories. You know, there'd be this character who was on this mission, and I'd, I'd play around in the boxes, and I feel like that form of marketing and those characters made it so relatable and interesting to me as a kid that I fell in love with that. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm like, I'm looking for that next organic or vegan company that is able to create one of those historic, iconic animated characters that kids fall in love with that could bring them on this journey, but instead do it to spread something healthy and positive. And I don't know what that looks like. I've kind of started yeah. to like dive into animation and I want to bring a character onto my cooking show. I have this vision for this little, superhero beat character that's swimming through your blood veins when you're eating beets and talking about how it improves your oxygen and blood flow and everything like that so Ew. little little things in the works but um again that's something a kid would a, honestly work in progress on their own is a beat <laughs> i know <laughs> a beets beets and broccoli and cauliflower like if we can make those things cool and fun like mm-hmm. we have accomplished so much mission impossible literally or i know but yeah, I mean, all it takes is understanding how to build flavor a little bit. All it takes is understanding the palate. All it takes is understanding textures. And when you can build flavor, it's like mac and cheese is a perfect example. You can make so many different versions of vegan mac and cheese as like cashews as a base, almonds as a base, um, cauliflower as a base. Like you could do so many things as a base for the sauce and you can make it so allergy friendly depending on who you are. But as long as you understand the flavor behind it, then that's how you can easily recreate it and do it on a budget too. It's all about, and that's why I love the concept of your show is because it's all about a building flavor and making it fun and enjoyable and not this like, Oh God, I have to cook now. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which is how a lot of people feel. Mm -hmm. So it is about making it more accessible. You mentioned, you mentioned vegan cheeses, mm-hmm. uh, which is so funny. Cause I was like, I was talking to somebody at a, at a bar of all places. I'm like rarely ever at a bar, but when I'm at a bar, you better believe I'm preaching vegan food Hell yeah, um, man! And, and drinking water. Um, so I was talking to this person and she, she finds out I'm vegan and she's like mocking my like cashew cheese recipes or whatever. And I'm like, these days, like it, like you could do it with cauliflower. I got a recipe with carrots and potatoes that will blow your mind. That makes okay. the creamiest, vegan cheese sauce um and it's what you mentioned the flavors are so important so this recipe that's like one of my favorites from my cooking show it's um a vegan mac and cheese sauce i learned it from this girl lauren toyota who is like a queen of vegan comfort food she's absolutely killing it on her youtube channel hot for food but she makes this recipe where the main ingredients are a boiled carrot and a boiled potato you blend those up and it creates this nice like stringy stretchy viscosity that emulates cheese sauce and then the main ingredients in it are tomato paste, you know, onion powder, garlic powder, nutritional yeast, like some typical ingredients. But the key ingredient in it is jalapeno brine and pickled jalapenos. 
So if you get a jar of like pickled jalapenos, it has that like liquid that comes in it. So this is like, it's still like kind of processed food. It's not on the whole food plant-based diet 100%. But for somebody that's eating cheese, if you can like turn carrots and potatoes into that cheesy flavor, like that's a step in the right direction. It's pretty amazing. So she uses jalapeno brine and pickled jalapenos. And it gives this perfect kick, this perfect bite that makes you feel like you're eating cheese at a circus or or at like a baseball game, you know, they, they come with the pickled jalapenos on top and the dripping yeah. cheese sauce, the nacho cheese sauce. So it's just like flavors are so important and we can yeah. recreate so many of these addictive meat and cheese flavors with healthier, better alternatives. Well, and the thing that you find too, when you eat these alternatives is that you don't need to eat as much. Like you get full and satiated faster, I find, than if you were eating yeah. like oh, yeah. your cheese. Because I felt like- oh, yeah. Since I'm a French chain chef, Gruyere, I swear I could eat like an entire pound, just like a huge block of Gruyere cheese. Oh my God. When I was in culinary school, it was like just, you know, we were paying for it at the end of the day, but like it was just like Gruyere yeah. cheese everywhere. We would like put it yeah. in like all these different dishes and all these different classes. And like in culinary school itself, I gained like 30 pounds, you know, and it, I literally of Gruyere. That used to be the mark of a good chef. Yeah. I was like, never, never trust a skinny chef. I know, right? <laughs> But then at the end of culinary school, I, I went vegetarian because I was like, I need to like chill. But then it was like the idea of being a junk food. It's vegetarian. still cheese. Then you're yeah. Then you're still vegetarian. And the you're like, I know. You're like, I know. okay, was, yeah, give me that brick of cheese one more time. I know, and that was the hardest thing for me, honestly. Going plant based was uh, giving up like sushi, fish, and mm-hmm. um, cheese. It's the hardest yeah, part. Those are tough ones. Yeah, that's like the biggest. And bacon. That's the other biggest one that I hear from people. Dude, I never liked bacon. I never liked it. Right. My dad would make it in the morning when I was growing up and I would have to literally go outside because the smell just like oh, yeah. made me feel not good things. So oh. yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, yeah. So what else do I want to ask you? Like, what is your like go-to meal for yourself? Like you wake up in the morning, like what's your day look like with food? Um, so right now I'm having a smoothie and this I actually purchased. I'm like, I'm trying to reduce my single-use plastic abuse, but I'm authentically representing myself right now because sometimes I do use these single-use plastics. I need a healthy breakfast, didn't have anything with me. So right now, this is like a banana, chia seed, flaxseed, almond milk smoothie that I bought at my local grocery store that probably two years ago was like, had no chia seeds, no almond milk, and no flax seeds on the shelves. But now it's like pouring in, which is like so amazing. So a lot of times I'll have a smoothie for breakfast. But my go-to food is honestly a super simple quinoa bowl. Mm -hmm. I like, as somebody who has a cooking show, like a lot of people just kind of assume I'm always like eating good. And, but there's a lot of other work outside of the actual cooking. So a lot of times I'm actually looking for the quickest, easiest way to eat food that's going to give me energy to do all the other million things that I'm doing. So I'm like, yeah <laughs> it's like it's <laughs> yeah. underrated like I love filming episodes but that is like rare compared to all the other work involved mm-hmm. so I like never don't have my fridge stocked with a bowl of quinoa and like some sort of a vegetable so sometimes there'll be broccoli in it sometimes it'll be peas I'll dab a little soy sauce to give it a little flavor or sometimes instead of cooking my quinoa in water I'll cook it in some sort of a vegetable broth like a butter uh, like a what did I have recently? Like a butternut squash soup I cooked it in recently and oh, it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. it tastes amazing, but I'll make a bowl that'll last me the entire week and that's like lunch every single day. So that, okay. that's why I like thrive off of this quinoa. 
that's what I preach to all my clients is like, you better have really? a big bowl of quinoa in your, yeah. Cause I teach <laughs> meal prep. I have this like online program. And a lot of what I talk about is like always having a high protein grain or legume already prepped, already seasoned in your fridge, ready to go for like any time of the day, breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Yeah. yeah. Quinoa's a go-to. Go. So high in protein. It's so easy to digest. And yeah, the quinoa bowl is like, and it's the same way for me. Like I'm a professional chef and people just assume that I'm eating like <laughs> the most amazing extravagant meals all the time. But like if I'm not recipe testing for somebody or cooking for somebody or doing something related to work, then I'm going to be eating like a green smoothie or a quinoa yeah. bowl <laughs> or like an avocado with salt, you know, like nothing yeah. super crazy because yeah, it's like, I, and I feel like when food is work too, it's kind of like, I don't know. I don't want to spend two hours making a meal. Just sometimes I do. Though. I know. I, I feel that. <laughs> you know, you play the jazz music. I feel that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I love it. Like, I'm I'm in town, so I'm not. I don't live in Chicago permanently. I'm in Chicago right now, and I'm in town, and like all of my friends are like so excited to see me, and they're like, "Oh my God, Mario, you should cook us some food." And I'm like, "Yeah, here's my day rate." <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> <laughs> God, I know. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm joking. Like, I love. I cook people food because if it'll give them a chance to like actually engage in vegan food, especially with their, my like friends and family, I want them to enjoy it. But like jokingly, I'm like, this is what I do for a living. So it's a little bit different. You know, I'm like, Oh, Hey, you know, Joey, I'm in town. I'm so excited to see you. You want to do my finances? <laughs> yeah. You know, cause that's like his job. It's like, it's so true. It, it's, it's hit or miss. You know, I do love what I do, but at the end of the day, a job at some point does feel like a job mm-hmm. and you find ways to love it. But, jokingly yeah here's my day rate if you want me to meal prep for you for the week so are you cooking full-time like is your show your full-time gig yeah full-time Good full-time cooking something that i got into recently which i really enjoy is um demonstrating products so i i love like being on camera i love coming up with stories i love coming up with concepts i love creating cinematic art pieces and videos and i also love working with different types of startup companies that have interesting products that I could get excited about and relate to. So a lot of what I do also is like product demonstrations and cooking videos and commercial videos for different types of kitchen appliance companies and different types of products that I think are helping make the world a healthier place or easier. Like one that I'm working with right now is an air fryer. I saw Um, that. So yeah. So I love using an air fryer because it's just, it's like an, it's like a glorified oven, but it's faster and it's smaller. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it fits in a lot of people's homes better. Makes broccoli have a nice texture, like softer on the inside, crispy on the outside. So I'm obsessed with the air frying. So I do a lot of demonstration videos for this air fryer company. I also work with the dehydrator company and dehydrating fruits, another great way to like make fruit last longer and to have it on the go. And, you know, don't overeat dehydrated fruit because eventually you'll be eating too much sugar. But love dehydrated fruit so i work with this uh food dehydrator company and i do a lot of yeah oh you make veggie wraps in a dehydrator that's Mm -hmm. a good one that's really i've done them with yeah coconut wraps that's what i was just gonna say i juice Uh, almost every day so we you can use like the pulp of your juice and like put it in the blender with a little bit of water and then spread that out and dehydrate it and it'll turn into the perfect wrap really that's a good idea you just take the pulp that's amazing and that's like another thing like how repurposing and being more environmentally friendly and right. composting and that's a whole other tangent we could go on you know yeah, i'm like more introductory like vegan <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> i'm sure you could teach me more about that because i'm still yeah. figuring it out 
Uh, I just take my scraps and throw them under a bunch of leaves in my backyard and till it every once in a while and yeah, that works. see that, that it's disappearing slowly. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, my cooking show is full time, but with that is finding sponsors, finding products, finding different other companies to align with and figuring out ways that I could use videography and content creation to spread a healthier message and help the right companies win. You know, I, I've worked for a lot of companies in the past before I cared about health food and I saw like horrible deception practices happening behind the scenes um, that just rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, yeah. And now I'm like rethinking all this. Like I've, I've partnered with oil companies in the past when I was kind of like an amateur to my show. And now I'm like, I have these doctors on my show and they're like, yeah, we shouldn't be cooking with as much oil because it's just condensed fat and you're really just stripping fiber and phytonutrients from something like an olive. And if you have too much oil at the end of the day, you're just going to have too much fat. It's, it's pretty mm -hmm. simple. And I'm like, crap, like right when I started out, I was promoting all these oils because they were the first people to get excited about my show. And I was such an amateur. So a big part learning, I think of growing right? is like, yeah, is like learning and improving and revisiting your old research and not solidifying everything you've said in the past like mm -hmm. changing and improving and and now I'm even more cautious now I definitely triple check myself before I do anything because I had to learn those lessons the hard way but right yeah so a big part of what I do is I look for companies that have products and brands that I could relate to that I could help create cool content for for them and for my cooking show and spread the message. You know, I always say like you vote with your money and if you can promote people to spend their money on products that are actually doing good things for the world, then you're doing something right. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. And so, um, talking about entrepreneurship a little bit, you, you funded your, your show from beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, so to kind of speak to the whole cooking show industry. So when I started my cooking show, I met, I met a company that had a vision. They liked my idea. They got me all hyped up about everything. And my first thought was like, oh, this is going to be a breeze. I'm just going to be on Food Network and have this cool vegan cooking show because mm -hmm. screw Guy Fury. We need some health guy on there and why not me? You know, um, thought it was all going to be super simple. But then what I learned is the whole industry of actually having a cooking show and even having a show on television really has to do with sponsorship and with self-funding your show so that you can get on television and then have an opportunity to sell your own products or or figure out a way to make money so like for example a lot of the big celebrity chefs on food network they when they started out they were on a contract salary for a very minimal amount and food mm -hmm. network would own all of their content and when you thought guys like bobby flay and all these other big celebrities were making millions of dollars they were actually making very minimal amounts. Mm -hmm. Whereas the alternative route is if you could self fund your show, yeah. then you have more control over the amount of money that you make and the networks don't actually own your content. So when I started my cooking show, I learned pretty quickly that I'm going to have to figure out a way to self fund my show. And then through some people I talked to, they said that the way to do that is you find sponsors. And then I started working with this company in New York city. They got me super hyped on my show, had all these really good ideas. And Eventually, I got to this place where I didn't know how I was going to find sponsorships. I didn't know how I was going to get the show off, but I really liked the idea. But I had to prove the concept in order to find bigger sponsorships. And then I had to get to New York City so I could film with Dr. Joel Furman because I wanted to make my first episode amazing. So I was kind of at this little, little turning point. 
Um, and I just had this moment where I just kind of believed in the stuff that I was doing. I invested some of my own money into the cooking show to make those first couple episodes happen so that I can hopefully prove the concept. And then I was lucky enough that it caught on and now I'm able to thrive with sponsorships. But at first it, it was really tough. I didn't know if I was going to be able to make this stuff happen. And luckily it's, it's worked out for the better because, you know, clearly there's demand for more people spreading this vegan food and this vegan message. Yeah. So I actually, uh, backtrack a little. So I met Mario, um, this same company that contacted him contacted me and they kind of like gave me this, they acted as if it was like this silver platter. Like we want to give you this cooking show and like, we love your concept and blah, blah, blah. And then they hit me with like this huge bill. And then I was, I was like, what the hell is going on right now? This is so, we I was like, this is so weird. I, you know, cause I have done filming stuff in the past and I've always gotten paid for it. So then I was like, I need to do research with who this company works with. And then I found you. And I was like, I wonder if yep. this guy will message me. So we ended up chatting. I ended up deciding to do the opposite of what you decided to do, mainly because I'm in like so many different projects already right now. Um, but it's really interesting. And I think it's really cool that you believed in yourself on that level to spend like thousands and thousands and thousands yeah. of dollars. Yeah on yourself, on your dream, especially since you didn't really know that much about vegan food before your show, right? Or no, did I, didn't, I didn't know too much beforehand, but I had seen my friend go through this transformation. Right. I had read books and talked to a lot of mm -hmm. people, so I understood the benefit. But yeah, no, it, it was a leap of faith and, and actually even backtracking. So when I first started my show, I was looking for sponsors and amidst a lot of failure, not being able to figure it out, uh, eventually one company actually reached out to me and offered to sponsor like my entire show. They actually offered me $40,000 to fund the entire first season of my show, but the company was spam. So spam is a company that makes like meat in a can packaged at, you know, I'm sure you've heard of spam or seen spam. Yeah. So spam are, and then at that time I'm like, what does spam want to do with sponsoring a vegan cooking show? Um, so that made me again, realize that, a lot of businesses out there are just figuring out their next way to make a quick dollar and they're not actually keeping consumers best interests in mind or necessarily have the right authentic values to be yeah, spreading yeah. this stuff. Yeah. Uh, so rejected that deal, funded it myself. And now I have great, amazing sponsors that I actually share good values with. So it's been a total 180. Good for you. I mean, it yeah. does go to show, it goes to show too. Like if something in your gut is saying like, no, don't do this then don't do it. No matter how much yeah. money, no matter yeah. what promising you no matter what it is like your intuition can lead you better than anything else oh yeah 100 percent. yeah awesome well is there anything else that you'd like to let people know anything else you have on your mind today no I, this is a great conversation um i would say just get out there try a couple recipes for my cooking show or some of the guests that i've had on there because it's really been my mission to find some of the best ones and if you watch my show, you'll see like there's even episodes where I totally reject recipes. Like we tried vegan bacon. You'll see me like taking this vegan bacon, throwing it across the room because it tastes like crap. You know, I, I really go in and I find the good stuff. Um, so check it out. But I'd say, you know, just if you're somewhere, someone out there who's listening to this podcast because maybe you're interested in being healthier, maybe you're interested in even having your own vegan podcast, I'd say like, figure out a way that you can enjoy the stuff that you do and that you can eat stuff that makes you feel good. Cause when you feel good, you produce good, you create good results and you're going to eventually figure out a way to make good money doing it. It just kind of comes full circle if you're putting mm -hmm. your best foot forward. So I'd say go out there 
And if you don't like your job, try and find a better one. If you, if you don't like the way you feel, try and eat a little bit healthier. Yeah. So awesome. And I did, I forgot to ask. So how's your acid reflux situation? Is it better? It's good. I, yeah, it, it, way better. I'm like, I don't really suffer from asthma at all. And I'll tell if I could tell if I eat unhealthy because it's not just like meat and cheese that we're causing it. Right. But if I eat unhealthy, I will get acid reflux. And if I'm eating healthy, I will not. Same thing with asthma. Like if I have an unhealthy streak, I could feel my lungs changing. But if I'm eating healthy, like I feel amazing all the time. So 100% affected so by the foods that I eat. If you're suffering with asthma, I didn't actually, I've never actually thought about the correlation with asthma and food, which is very random. Um, so yeah, like yeah. If someone who's listening, if they suffer with asthma or they have a child who's suffering with asthma, like what are like the top few tips that you could give them so that they could like reduce their symptoms? So I don't want to misquote anything specifically because mm -hmm. I went through this transformation like many months ago and now I just eat healthy and, and don't right. have any problems. So I don't know the specifics. Um, this guy, Dr. Michael Greger wrote a book called How Not to Die. Yeah. where he takes like the top 15 illnesses in the United States and relates them back to how food can affect us having those diseases. Right. And he has an entire chapter on like very specific research behind asthma and acid reflux. Cool. So I would like encourage you to go read that to get the real data, but Bro. I will just live as a testimonial to say that eating whole food plant-based diet has gotten rid of my asthma and acid reflux. And if I eat junk food, it comes back. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. That in itself yeah. speaks so many, so many volumes. Too. Yeah. That's so awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have this friendship with you and be able to work to work together in the future. I feel like we have some awesome things. We've got some synchronicities. I'll, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me and keep crushing it. Keep doing what you're doing. Cool. Thanks, Mario. All right, guys, that's all for our show today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you are looking to find Mario, you can find him on Roku on Trying Vegan with Mario, or you could find him on Instagram. I will link everything in the show notes below. And I really, truly hope that you have an amazing holiday. If you're listening to this after the holidays, I just hope you're having an amazing day in general. And I can't wait for the next episode. So as always, don't forget to eat your greens and I'll